some cultures, it's like many gods. Uh, it's in some cultures, uh, pantheistic cultures, God is everywhere. So the spirit is in trees and in nature and everywhere else. But Jesus talked about a person called the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to talk about him this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. This is just before Jesus ascended, right after his resurrection. It's, it's just in that 40-day period between his resurrection and his ascension. And it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. I've been talking about about him, and he's coming. So the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, is here to complete the work of redemption that Jesus accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection. Because Jesus ascended to be our high priest in heavenly places, to ever live to intercede for us, and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to be with us today. And he is a person. Many times in the church we think of, oh, Holy Spirit, please give me your anointing. Please give me your power. And, and there's a sense in which it's perfectly fine to pray for that. But, we've not, but Holy Spirit isn't just power and anointing and those things. Holy Spirit is a person. In your notes, you will see some quotes. And if you want a copy of the full notes, there's a, a, an additional quote that's in here. And in fact, if you want a copy of this, you can just sign up for them. The sign-up sheet is on the back table there. And I will get them to you either by printed copies or by, um, by email. But here's what R.A. Torrey said. Now, R.A. Torrey wrote a book called The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing book. It was first published in 1910. And he... Uh, I read that years and years ago. I, I had given my book away. Didn't know if I could find one, but it's online and in your notes you can find it. It's 266 pages long. It's a powerful theological treatise on the Holy Spirit, but it's also very inspiring. And in his opening remarks near the beginning of the book, he says, before one can correctly understand the work of the Holy Spirit, he must first of all know the Spirit himself. A frequent source of error and fanaticism about the work of the Holy Spirit is the attempt to study and understand his work without first of all coming to know him as a person. True? And here, this one isn't on the slide, it's in your notes. Um, it is also the highest uh, the, the highest importance from the practical standpoint that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is merely some mysterious and wonderful power that we in our weakness and ignorance are somehow to get a hold of and use, or whether the Holy Spirit is a real person, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, and infinitely tender, who is to get a hold, on, a hold of and use us. The former conception, that is us trying to get a hold of the Holy Spirit, the former conception is utterly heathenish, heathenish, 
not essentially different from the thought of the African fetish worshiper who has his God whom he uses. The latter, that is those who yield to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit uh, as a person come into our lives, the latter conception is sublime and Christian. If we think of the Holy Spirit as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? Well, I read that rather quickly, and I, and, uh, but it is in your notes. You can kind of look at that afterwards. Uh, something occurred to me this morning. Uh, it occurred to me while I was in the washroom. Um, I don't know if there's any significance to that or not, but that's where it occurred to me. I got thinking, and I asked somebody, um, what's the date today? And, of course, it's the 24th. And, and what day will the 28th be? Well, that's the, that's the um, day Thursday this week. The 28th of September in 1984, a bulldozer appeared on this property and dug the foundation for this church. This is 33 years later. Anybody catch the significance of 33 years in the Bible? What happened in 33 years? Jesus died. And it's just like suddenly overwhelmingly, 33 years ago, we laid the foundation of this church. And it's like it's a time for a whole new day. A whole new anointing of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in the past anointings. We rejoice in the things that God has done in this place. But we stand here on this anniversary of sorts and with the symbolism of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and through that accomplishment sent Holy Spirit to us, we just stand here postured, ready to receive. Is that you this morning? It is for me. Holy Spirit, just come as we prayed. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. Come. Come as a person to us and fill us. Jesus said in the scripture that we read, um, and this is the third slide, it's just, wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for him. So there was this 10-day period where neither Jesus nor the Holy Spirit in his fullness was on the earth. And he said, you just wait. Don't do anything till he comes. Don't try to figure out. <laughs> Don't go telling everybody that I've risen from the dead. They had to be filled with a desire to go everywhere. They were charged. Here he was, Jesus, alive after his suffering, appearing to them with many infallible evidences or proofs. And then they saw him ascend into the heavens and the two men, the two angelic beings coming and say, why do you stand here waiting, looking up into heaven? He didn't say, what are you looking up into heaven? Uh, this same Jesus who has ascended will come again someday. <laughs> wow, can you imagine the excitement? Turn us loose. Let us tell everybody, because Jesus is coming back. We've seen him in person, and the energy in their hearts must have been just great. But Jesus said, don't do it. Not until you've waited 
for the Holy Spirit to come. And then on the day of Pentecost, a, a day of Jewish celebration, he came in Acts chapter 2, and we'll talk about this more t- next week. But it was like, wait, my dear, can you imagine how tough that would have been? How impatient they might have been and probably very much were? And, and very often in our lives, we become so impatient when it comes to the things of God. Oh, God, you've promised, you've promised, you've promised, because the Holy Spirit is the one who was promised of the Father, and now we have to wait. Maybe you're waiting this morning. Some might say, well, you know what, we don't have to wait anymore because it's already come. But, you know, sometimes our lives get so busy, so desperately consumed with the things around us. We don't have even the little, least bit of time hardly to give the Holy Spirit the attention he deserves and to just wait in his presence. Not that we have to hope that someday he'll come, but because he's here to engage him in every facet of our lives, our personal beings, our families, our church, just to be able to take the time to pray and to fellowship together as the body of Christ, expecting Holy Spirit, because he's a person, and he's in the midst of his people to do mighty things. And even if there are no miracles or if there's no powerful things that happen, Uh, We should never be discouraged because it's his presence himself. How would you like to, how would you like to just go home and all your children said to you, Daddy, 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 what did you bring for me today? Instead of, Daddy, I just love you. And it's sort of like that with God, the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's here present. And he just wants us to, to, through him, love Jesus, love the Father, love the Spirit, and just engage him as the person that he really is. Time spent on, on waiting in the presence of God is never time wasted. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. Because before this passage that we read in Acts chapter 1, not too long before this, in fact it was just before his death, Jesus gathered his disciples and he, he talked to them about the Holy Spirit. They had a hard job understanding what he was talking about, but nevertheless, he, he spoke and taught and gave them so many instructions that later on they would come to understand what he, he meant. In John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. In some translations, it's an, a, another comforter to help you and to be with you forever. Well, we need help. The Lord knew, Jesus knew the disciples would need help. He also knew that the disciples couldn't be left alone. You can't be left alone. I can't be left alone. We need the presence of God in our lives. We need the presence of God in our lives. Not just some kind of a consciousness that he's out there or he's beside us, but a a real personal consciousness of his presence. That that it's just like uh, 
when I'm alone here in the office or I'm driving on the road and, uh, and I'm coming home and then I know Marlene is there. I'm, she's not present with me, but I know she's present as my wife and she's present as the person who just loves me and does so much for me and, and I just want to be with. And it, but it's not until I come through the door and see her standing there with open arms, waiting to embrace me and hug me and, wow, I, until I walk through the door and I, and there she is. I, I'm not, re, we're not really, I'm not really in the manifest physical presence of my wife. And it's like that with Holy Spirit. He can be, a, we can come to church and, but, but it's not quite the same as actually entering into his presence as an individual and as a congregation. I will send the Holy Spirit, an advocate. Interesting, because the Bible tells us that Jesus is our advocate. We have one advocate, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is coming, Jesus said, as your advocate, as your comforter. The Greek word is paraclete, which means someone who's just like me. It's like two parallel lines. They're, they, they flow together. And the Holy Spirit is that parallel line, if you will flowing right with the purposes and the blessings of God through Christ and through his cross. Wow. An advocate um, means a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, a strengthener, a standby. He's all those things to us. <laughs> Oh, to be in his presence. Before Jesus said this, uh, ask the Father and I will send the advocate. Just immediately before that, in John 14, verses 11 to 14, he said this. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So <laughs> Jesus is dressing their doubts. He's saying, well, well, you, you know, you, you, well, you believe me because you've seen all the works I've done. But when I talk about Father and the Father being in me and I being in the Father, like you're having a hard time with that, and I understand it. But he says, very, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And then it was right after that he said, I will send the advocate who will be just like me. And so these words of Jesus concerning himself and the Father would be made possible through the coming of Holy Spirit. Now look at what we've just read. You shall ask anything in my name and I will do it. You say, Pastor, that's a real tough one because I've asked for lots of things. You might say, well, in Jesus' name, I want a new Mercedes-Benz. Well, uh, that, no doubt, was a sincere request or whatever. But when it says in his name, it means so much more than just 
asking for anything you want, and God's going to give it to you. What it means is to come into a relationship with the Holy Spirit that brings you into a relationship with Jesus where you are so conscious of, of what Jesus constantly prayed and said, uh, Lord, let this cup pass from me in one instance, but nevertheless not my will but yours be done. That sense of total con- cons- being totally consumed by the will of God, seeing the purposes of God manifest and fulfilled through my life and through our church, it's in that stance, it's in that relationship with Holy Spirit that the miraculous takes place where the supernatural takes place, where God does things that are exceedingly abundantly above even what we ask or think. How many would say, Bruce, oh, for a fresh presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Just kind of gently wave at me. And just keep your hand up there, would you? And just look heavenward and say, Holy Spirit, a fresh revelation of you in my life. And maybe you've never prayed that before, but you can pray it right now. It might be that you're not even a follower of Jesus, but today this can be the change that happens in your life where, where the personality of God through his Holy Spirit oh, just starts to change your life, change the way you think. He helps you. He takes away your fear, your anxiety. He comes alongside you when you feel so all alone, when others have forsaken you, when it seems as though the the dawn has never come, but the night continues, that the darkness is all the time. So many things have just come in upon you. And... You just don't really feel a whole lot of hope or faith. But coming alongside you this morning is the paraclete, the comforter, the advocate, Holy Spirit. And he comes just to fill your life. To give you a consciousness of of his presence, not just with you, but in you. One of the things that people say, well, these prayers of Jesus, they just seem a little bit far-fetched. I mean, how can I actually experience these things? Well, when we did our first chapter on this series of the Jesus building his church, uh, Jesus saying he would build his church, in Ephesians chapter chapter 2, we quoted a passage there, and I'm just going to put up one verse there, and it says this, Ephesians 2.22, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So in you, he's talking about the church. You can't experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in isolation from the body of Christ. You might have some sort of a relationship with God, but it's, it's stunted, it's dwarfed. It doesn't come into a, a, a total into the sphere of possibility of what God can do in your life. Submission to spiritual leadership, submission to the body of Christ, submission to one another, the submission of leaders to the body, all of this is a part of what it means to grow together as a holy habitation of God through His Spirit. 
And so he draws you. He draws you to himself, but he draws you to his church, to his body. You see, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being with you and the Holy Spirit being in you. Come back to the Acts uh, or to the John uh, uh, 14 passage, and it says that I will ask the Father, and he will give another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. You can move to the next slide there. Okay, one more. All right. One more. <laughs> okay. All right. He is with you and will be in you. So Jesus was talking to his disciples, his, the apostles, and Jesus had been filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And so this was the manifestation of the presence of God through his Holy Spirit in Jesus as a man, as the Son of Man. And so they saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descend upon him and fill him. And then the voice of God from heaven, his Father, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And, and people were amazed at what took place as he was baptized. And so Jesus, as he spent time with his disciples, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so by virtue of that, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus and with the disciples or the followers of Jesus who were present with him. So they were, the Holy Spirit was with them by virtue of the fact that he was in Jesus and was with Jesus. Make sense? But then Jesus said in this prayer, uh, he will be in you. He's with you now because you're, you're, you're with me. No, just keep it where it was. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You see, it's very possible to have the Holy Spirit with you in a sense that for example, when you come to church and we, we sing, Come Holy Spirit, I need you. Come sweet Spirit, I pray. You can be in the presence of other believers and just in the fact that you're in the presence of other believers and the Holy Spirit is present in His church, it's very possible for you to be in His presence, but He as the Holy Spirit not being fully invited into your life to become within you. Does that make sense? How many of you realize that Holy Spirit is there and you've, you've called upon God through the power of the Holy Spirit and at times he's come and become the advocate that we talked about, the one who comes alongside, maybe at a time of death or separation in your family or some tremendous loss or some tremendous need or maybe at some other points in your life of great joy you've sensed the Holy Spirit and you've given him praise and you've honored him. But then it just seems as though... The, living with that person inside you to the fullness of possibility just well it doesn't really happen you kind of slip back you come to church and wow the holy spirit was there it's wonderful well yeah he was here but is he here 
And he might be with you this morning, but he wants to be in you in his fullness so that when you walk out of this place and you you face tomorrow's sunrise and all the days of this coming week, no matter what happens around you or in this world, there's just this wonderful joy and and you're living in a different dimension. You're living in the kingdom of God. You're in the world, but not of the world. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And it just is life-changing. It changes everything you think, everything you feel. It, it's just, oh, it's different. He wants to indwell you today. He wants to indwell his church. He wants to come in with his power that flows from within us. And he wants to just touch this world with the love of Jesus. And we'll talk about next week the Holy Spirit as the convincer. The Holy Spirit who's here. And if it wasn't for Holy Spirit, the manifestation of evil in this world would be unthinkable. Well, uh, in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, that's slide eight. Uh, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Kenny, would you come up here? By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified or gone to heaven. So Jesus, as he's introducing the Holy Spirit to his followers, even at the earliest stages of his ministry, is saying, someday, when I'm gone, Holy Spirit will come and he will be like a powerful river flowing within you. Wow, Kenny, tell me what you said this morning about what happened when you went to bed last night. It was through the night it happened. I woke in about 2 o'clock this morning and I was meditating on some of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit brought me this verse. And he said, some of my people are standing and they're looking at the river of life. They're looking at the fountain of life and they're dying of thirst. And then he said, we can direct people to that river. We can point them to that fountain of life. But they must, they must partake for themselves. Oh, water. How refreshing, how life-giving, how thirst-quenching it is. And he's here this morning. The Spirit of the Lord who Jesus promised would be like a river flowing from within you. 
you're aware of the the dam that I don't know I didn't hear the news this morning whether it broke or didn't but 70,000 people had to be evacuated as a result of this earth the two earthquakes that have happened in in Mexico and this one large dam that if it broke it could simply bring so much destruction you see there's a there's power in in water there's power in a river that's released and it can be destructive power, as in the case of what's in Mexico right now, or it can be the power of God that sweeps away and washes away all the dirt and the things in our lives that shouldn't be there and brings in the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit himself, to um, just fill us. Thank you, Ken. The Holy Spirit is not just with us and in us, but he is here to teach us. And with this, this is the last uh, section I'll do this morning. When the Advocate, John chapter 14 again, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You see, they were having all kinds of doubts. They couldn't figure out this Holy Spirit person, this whole idea of him dying, of him being glorified, and it was all. And so they, they, they just didn't understand. And it's so easy in our lives just to simply not understand. Why, why, why? And, and, and you could put anything past after that word why in your life and start to question or start to doubt or, or feel so many things that are so different than what God wants you to feel. But he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you. He will teach you everything I've said to you. And in the, the 12th and 13th verse, it's, he said this, I have much more to say to you, to you more than you can bear right now. But when the Spirit of, of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So, he's here to bring Jesus. You say, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what my future is. I don't know where this world is going. In this past week, the United Nations met in New York and and, and, and the rhetoric, ramping up a threat of nuclear war is just, it's just like something the United Nations has never experienced before. We see these hurricanes that have come and the earthquakes that have come. And, and now just this past, just the yesterday, I think it was, the day before, the, the U.S. military or the Air Force flew its B-51 bombers or a, a, a group of 51 B-51 bombers just right next to the demilitarized zone uh, just south of North Korea. And so the world, is, it's almost like it's on a precipice. It's, it's like it's ready to fall into some terrible cataclysmic, uh, perhaps nuclear war, or who knows what else. And, and yet the Holy Spirit is, says, I will tell you what's to come. That doesn't mean we should be setting dates or anything like that, but we, we know what's coming because the Word of God tells us. And when it comes to all the things that the Bible tells us about 
and, and prophecy about what lies ahead. The bottom line is this. Jesus is coming again. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he will reign. And finally this morning, Paul prayed this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wow. What is it we want? Oh, God, please tell me what's happening or what's going to happen today. Why is the Holy Spirit here? Paul said, I I pray, I, I constantly pray that the Spirit of the Lord would fill your life for the primary purpose of you knowing him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, wow, I didn't know my eyes had heart. My heart had eyes, whatever. Or the other way around, you can make it whatever you want. But he says the eyes of your heart. So to be able to, at the seat of our emotions, in the very innermost of our being, where it's so easy to have emotions that fill us, that discourage us or fill us with fear, the, those eyes to see hope and to see into the future and see the blessing of God. That they might be enlightened order that, in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you or to which he has called you. The riches of his, the glorious inheritance of his hope, holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What's ruling your life this morning? What are the influences? What are the powers? What are the demonic influences? What are the the habits you can't break, the sins that you can't seem to conquer. Well, there is a a person present here who comes to you this morning with the possibility of you finding a difference in your life that you've never known before, even for the church. He comes to us as a a group of believers and say, you can look back at the last 33 years and rejoice, but, oh, I have so much more for you. The power is the same as as his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Worship team, would you come, please? And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. He's building his church. He's building a kingdom of priests and kings who are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are his body. Listen to this. The fullness of him who fills everything. Can you imagine that? This is no small potatoes group called uh, the church. 
This is what God is doing in the earth. The greater thing that he was able to do when he was present here himself. He is manifesting all of his glory and greatness and power and might in this group of people called the church. He's the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's stand together.